Hello, and welcome to the CEO Blind Spots Show, where leaders reveal their blind spots and best practices. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is George Abood, CEO and co-founder of Exponent Prosperity Accelerator, which is a company that helps privately held business owners achieve and accelerate their financial independence. And George, you are also the president of the Smart Group. So once you help business owners achieve or accelerate their financial independence, you also help them protect their wealth. So welcome to the show, George. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so that's awesome that you can help your clients on both sides of the equation, so to speak. But I know one of your employees, and he just raved about what a fantastic leader you are. So thanks to him, you're on the show. And Jason said that you're the most humble leader he has ever worked for. He claims that is one of your best practices as a leader. Like people want to perform well for you. And one of the stories he shared is when he first got started, he apparently asked you something along the lines of, well, what's my commission going to be on this deal? And you said, you know, Jason, I don't know yet, but what we need to do is focus on first building a plan that adds value to our clients. And then we worry about how we're going to make money. So, so that's I right. I remember, I'm remembering that. I didn't know you were going to hit me with that, but that was when he first joined us. And uh, I do remember that conversation. Yes. And it's, it's been a while since then. And, yeah. and and I, I know one of your clients say, says that he thinks one of your secrets to success is you not only understand financials, plus you're a CPA, but you actually ha also have run a company and are running a company. Sure. The combination is important. But what would you say are one or two of your best practices? Well, that's great. As it, as it relates to Davis's comment, we, we are proud to try to be fiduciaries and try to put our clients' best interest first. But you know, in all businesses, that's really how you, that's the value you want to provide your client. You want to give them a value that they keep coming back. But I guess, get one of the things I want to address is goals. And so maybe that's maybe one of my best practices. And what I mean by that is I have a process that I go through every year that starts with me. And it's there's a, a tool out there called Wheel of Life. And it's really a reflection tool for each area of your life. If you can picture a dartboard that's cut into slivers, you're actually grading yourself from satisfaction for each area of life. Business and finance is one of those, but there's also family, love life, spiritual and community and health and things of that nature. So I think one of my best practices is having a true reflection. Personally, I, I'm allowed to do that. We're a privately held company. I do have a wonderful partner, but I think it starts with that is true reflection of what you want out of life and where you are. And then I have a process that I go through that then trickles into the business and we do something similar. Well, again, I can confirm Jason says you practice what you preach. And I know that you helped him also with always, you know, start with the end in mind. And to your point, that doesn't mean only financial. That's so right. And then what about how did you end up hiring the team that you did? Do you have any <laughs> hiring best practices or are you just good at delegating? Can you say anything about that? Well, yeah, I, sure, I certainly can. I, I think I learned through trial and error, which is an expensive way to learn over my career. And then later I was able to become a little wiser and learn from others through books and counsel and coaches and groups that keep me accountable. But I, I think that what Jason mentioned, keeping the end in mind is really important where we're all headed. And so again, I even encourage my team that I bring on board for them to make sure this is a right fit. I'll give you an example of that when we, Jason is an advisor on our team. And 
and amongst many advisors, instead of giving them sales quotas, we're asking them to come up with a balance, work-life balance for each of them, and for them to have a goal of what they want to earn from an income standpoint for their family. And then once we understand what that is, we can help them be successful in achieving it. And then we can work it into our plan here at the company to determine how that fits into our total goals. And then from there, we can make adjustments. An example could be maybe bring on another advisor. Everybody's role is short, or we have other teams that are producing. So that may be a good example of bringing on individuals that fit. So we act, I've learned this from the mentor and the founder. When I joined this firm 13 years ago, we've since rebranded and bought him out. But one of the things he taught me is to make sure you're understanding the talents of all potential hires and employees. And so we actually do some personality profiling before we actually make final hires. So that has become a wonderful best practice just to make sure we understand each team member and how they'll be communicating with the others on board. Well, the the profile and especially the how they're going to communicate with each other, that's where it seems like a lot of companies and leaders are struggling right now with other personality conflicts or not, not a good fit with the culture. So you obviously also, you guys figured out the succession planning formula, so to speak. It looks <laughs> like Ron knew how to, how to set a succession up. And you, you, like you said, you rebranded the company, but I don't know. All I hear is lots of successes. And I know you said you learned from others and you learned from the founder, previous founder, Ron, but is there a particular moment that you're like, wow, I had a blind spot and didn't realize it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think one of the things <laughs> is self-reflection, as I mentioned before, is trying to understand how to learn from mistakes. And and, and I've had quite a few of those as, as well as many leaders do in their career. Some of those were in corporate America before I was in the spot. I was here, I was publicly traded company, vice president operations, acquiring 75 companies and then managing all of those. And so you have the opportunity to really learn pretty quickly. Yes. And so, and, and being intimately involved from a financial perspective and an operational perspective with each of the individuals running their business, and they're all requesting and wanting something, trying to learn from that, that process, I learned quite a few of those. One of the experiences I've had is in coming into a small privately held business and becoming an entrepreneur in that realm is there's a tendency in the in the big corporate world to delegate and you have plenty of teams and resources and finances. And there's obviously some challenges when you have a privately held company and how to make that shift. My An aha moment for me were, were two things. One is when you're building your own culture from the ground, there's a tendency to want to hire people like you. Mm -hmm. And they may not that may not be good for the client if everybody has the same character trait as the leader. An example of that is I may be a visionary and I may be great in communications, but as far as implementation and detail, I may be lacking. And if I tend to bring others on that are exactly like me, there could be a weakness in our delivery. And so that was a big aha moment, which also led to some of these personality profiles, try to determine what is it that we need in each role and how do we work as a team? And mm -hmm. so that was a big aha moment for me over time as I had the ability to grow a culture from a small company and as we continue to grow. And so I can't overstate that enough is trying to make sure you have a balanced team on delivering to your client. Well, I think you're speaking to a lot of listeners. Many entrepreneurs first start in the corporate world and then then start their own thing. And so the, the lessons are costly when you're smaller. <laughs> you know, I've seen uh, I've seen a lot of friends that they're very talented come out of the cult, big culture. And when they move into a private health business, they find out that from what I've witnessed is knowing what to do and getting it done may be two different things. And so action and results are huge. A, a lot of individuals like me coming out theory and you have practice. 
but to actually put it into action through others and being accomplished and, and moving and keeping accountable is something entirely different. And I've seen a lot of unfortunate individuals fail. That's one of the things I've worked through that I mentioned earlier that I can maybe learn through others' mistakes or aren't quite as expensive for me, but still you have your tendencies, right? So another aha I had is when I got here, you don't have quite the resources. And so shifting gears, I was reluctant to delegate. And so I always had too much on my shoulders, which really kind of killed our growth. And so that was another big aha. I was balancing your resources with a vision and making investments in order to get past these hurdles and start to delegate then as you continue to grow. I've witnessed a lot of areas of business of learning what not to do. But some of the most recent ones of, that I've had to manage through is the transition you mentioned. I've been very, I guess, blessed is the word to say to find Ron. And he has a lifetime of building a profession that partnered with him in his last 13 years. But, and when you're doing the transition change, you mentioned early cultures, it could be a challenge. We have 30 years apart from the two of us. Mm -hmm. And some of naturally somebody in that situation is looking to protect and to keep safe and to wind down. Whereas somebody in my position is looking for educated risk and growth and dynamic cultures. And so recruiting out of colleges, now you're talking to somebody entering their 80s compared with individuals that are in their 20s or early 20s. There's challenges in transferring that culture along with the transition. And so recently, we do this with a lot of business owners, but of course, when it's home, and it's in your own house, so to speak, you learn through some challenges. Uh, again, I was very blessed to have somebody of great character quality, but just trying to blend that transition, that could be a, a very big challenge. Yeah. Well, sounds like you're definitely able to help a lot of business owners, given that you yourself have been through it. So appreciate you sharing all these lessons learned. And then as we start to wrap up the show, as you know, and you successfully figured out the transition piece, but a lot of people go through crisis when the founder wants to retire or move on. But as you know, in the last two years, a lot of leaders have experienced crisis and many of them have never been through crisis before. That's correct. Any tip or two? you can share with new leaders regarding how you made it through crisis? Yeah, I mean, obviously the one in everybody's mind is COVID and how we've adapted and changed during that time period. I think it, like anything, crisis kind of shines a light, if you will, in an attic of maybe work that you've been working on already. And so if you have a great structure, if you have great processes, if you have great teams, then it just takes a little bit of a vision adjustment, a, a change of direction from the leader and figuring out how to adapt to the current environment and like COVID, where we are a high touch individual service company. How do we continue to do that and build trust with new clients that never met us if you're only in a digital space? And so I think just to kind of wrap up, as you mentioned, anytime there's a crisis, it kind of shows what you maybe need to improve. And it's also maybe is a you can be exhilarated from what you've already done and you can see how to harness that. So I am curious, how did you, though, actually deal with, like you said, a lot of high touch businesses failed? How did yeah. you continue? And you know, we, 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 so we do a lot of uh, study and analysis, listen to economists and research for investment purposes, as you can imagine. And so we may have been on the cutting edge of information as it relates to the economy and, and even just health. So quickly had to understand how are we going to shift from a 
maybe a cold digital environment from a warm building trust in the same room atmosphere. Mm -hmm. So it was very awkward at first, but we invested in technology. We we invested in some training. And then we tried to be still educational using technology, but still warm and having that relationship. So a lot of the processes we built built with onboarding clients just had to be tweaked, but they were already there. And Mm -hmm. so that was important for us to take advantage of and and it served as well. Sounds like you are well-informed, data-driven, and you pivot fast. So lucky for your clients that you adjust so quickly. I'll put it in the description, but if anyone wants to know more about your company, it's exponentx.net. And thank you again for being willing to come on this podcast and share your leadership tips. Very good. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. And hopefully I was of value.